Has someone ever thrown at you this whole problem of suffering in the world and God being a good God and how they don't mix? Or maybe it's bothered you personally. We're going to talk about it next on the Altered Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Altered Podcast. Today we got something a little different lined up for you. My friend Alan Campbell is with us, zooming in all the way from sunny England, and is going to help us wrestle through that issue we've all either had thrown in our face or most likely have struggled with in a personal way in the midst of our own suffering, which is, in a nutshell, how can God, being good, allow suffering? Thanks for hanging out with us today, Alan. Yeah, thanks for having me, Eric. It's good to be on with you. Yeah. So, um, Alan is a pastor in England and speaks at universities, colleges, and conferences on the issue of worldviews. I first met Alan a few years back in Sunderland, England, uh, where he had us hit the streets in the city squares asking people if it was okay to eat babies. <laughs> uh, I don't even know how to explain that, but uh, <laughs> maybe that's another podcast on evangelism. Um, Alan, you have a worldview uh, video series that just dropped its fifth video. Can you talk a little bit about those and where people can go to find your videos? Yeah, so I work with reachtheisles.com and we have YouTube, we're on Facebook and uh, Instagram and then we have our own website as well. And uh, we have a, a few pronged ministries and one of the ones we're wanting to do is to speak into the current culture with a worldview. Um, so really everyone has a worldview, everyone has a way that they view the world. And uh, the goal of these videos is to show that the Christian worldview is the only consistent one. Um, it's the only one that makes sense of the world that we're living in. And uh, that is because it's a true worldview. Um, so that's really what we're doing. We're equipping Christians to think that way and helping unbelievers to examine their worldview and, and comparing it with the Christian one. Cool. And, and, and they can find that reach the aisles. Dogs. Yeah, reach the aisles. The <laughs> my accent, reach the aisles.com. Yeah. Okay, cool. And uh, you can follow me on Facebook at Eric Jason Austin or on Twitter at Eric J. Austin. And I'll post uh, links to these videos as well. Um, but because of these videos that Alan has produced in our time together in Sunderland, I thought there's no one better to come in and help us walk through and help us with the process of making sense of suffering, the suffering we see daily in the belief in the existence of a good God. And so this is the problem. It's often called the problem of suffering or pain. And you usually hear it asked this way, how can a good God allow all the suffering we see in the world? And on a more personal level, maybe this is what we ask most often, which is, if God is good, why is he allowing me to suffer? which maybe has brought some doubt into your own faith, if you're listening today. But the good news is your desire not to suffer can actually reinforce your faith and hope. So, Alan, why don't you get us started by explaining what a worldview is and what it attempts to do? Yeah, so every worldview is trying to make sense of the world that we're living in. Uh, we're asking the three big questions. What is real? What is good? And what is true? And uh, every worldview has to answer these questions and it, not just to answer them, but to have a foundation or a basis in which to make those claims about what is good, what is real and what is true. 
Uh, and every worldview is trying to make sense of suffering as well. So that means that every worldview must account for suffering and give a meaning towards it, give a purpose for it, an explanation about suffering. So a valid worldview then, it must account for and explain suffering, death and pain. Why do we suffer? Why do we die? Why is there pain in this world? Um, and why is it something that we mourn and lament? And what makes a worldview valid? So a worldview to be valid, it means it has to be consistent. Um, so it can't have um, contradictory terms. So you can't say one thing and then say something that completely contradicts that. That would make it invalid automatically. And it can be arbitrary. So it can't just hang in the air. And what that means is you can't just say this is true and then asked, why is it true? Your response is, I don't know, it just is. That would be to hang it upon nothing, to have no foundation. So if your worldview is inconsistent with itself or it's arbitrary, then it is an invalid worldview. Yeah, and I think one I hear a lot over here in the States is, well, that's just how I feel, mm -hmm. uh, which would make it hang up there in the arbitrary category. It, it would make it absolutely subjective, and then, which, which is to, render it invalid that's right yeah okay good cool so today we're basically talking about two worldviews uh, the first worldview is the no god worldview or we call it the atheistic or evolutionistic worldview and the second worldview we're looking at today is the christian worldview and like you mentioned every worldview is attempting to explain the world around them and everyone who suffers is trying to make sense of their suffering and what I see people trying to do is use their suffering to first make sense of God instead of using God first to help make sense of their suffering. And as a result of doing this, um, it leaves them sadly without an answer for their suffering because you can't take God out and, and try and explain and give meaning to your suffering. So uh, how does this no God worldview fail to make sense? What makes it invalid? Mm -hmm. well, you put it a really good way there, man. But it's um so we're the, the no god worldview would be inconsistent in some claims that's making regarding suffering. So they would ask the question, how can a good god allow for good people to go through bad things? Uh, well, those all those statements about being good or bad, they are moral claims. Um, and you could say things like it's unfair for someone to go through this or this is an evil thing that happened to them or it is cruel or it is unjust. All of these words have moral uh, concepts attached to them. And inside a no God worldview, there is no absolute morality or there is no objective stand for, standard. And therefore, the very words that you're using are, again, hanging in the air. And so it's inconsistent to say those things. Uh, if you were to say that it's it's disgusting the way that person is being treated, well, you have to go beneath that claim and say why it's disgusting and what you even mean by disgusting. And so you're going to go down into your foundation. And the no god worldviews don't have a foundation to make those claims, so they're being inconsistent in that sense. But again, on the other sense, we're trying to bring meaning and purpose into our suffering. And again, we're we're saying these things are wrong or these things are. Um, unjust with no basis and so are being arbitrary so to say there's no such thing as good or bad and then to say that this thing that happened is bad is to be inconsistent and to say that this thing that happened is bad but i don't know why is to be arbitrary and so what you're what you're seeing is that that they're making these claims all of the time but they're not actually able to make the claims that they're making um, and so what we have in a no god worldview is that suffering is not wrong it just is 
whether that's the suffering of sickness or loss, or it's the suffering of other people treating me in a, hor in a horrible way. Um, those things aren't horrible and it isn't a bad thing. It's just a thing. Um, and ultimately in a no God worldview, suffering is meaningless because the entirety of earth is meaningless. Reality is meaningless. It, there is no purpose behind existence and therefore our suffering has no purpose either. Um, the other problem with suffering in a no God worldview is that suffering has always been a part of reality and it will always be a part of reality. It just is. It's not good. It's not bad. It's not cruel. It's not unjust. It's not evil. It just is. And that is the no God worldview. If you're going to be consistent, that is how the view of suffering must be in, in, in that worldview. Yeah. I remember years ago, um, you talking about this to our group. And you put it at in terms of a boat. They're in our mm -hmm. boat. <laughs> mm -hmm. To be consistent, they need to stay in their boat, which says, you know, there is, like you said, it just is. There's no cruelty. There's no disgustingness. Suffering just is a part of a meaningless world, a world that actually, by definition of evolution, depends and hangs on this being a cruel, or we say cruel, but just a world of survival of the fittest. Uh, it just is what it is in order to evolve. And it just is a blind process that keeps moving as it encounters different things. And so that's the world that they say they live in, but they want to be in our boat and they want to use claims like good and just and evil with no basis. Am I getting that right? Yeah, absolutely, man. R Richard Dawkins said it like this. He said that our genes are inherently selfish. Uh, it's the strong survive, natural selection. Uh, I'm stronger than you, so my way is, is right. Um, so our, our genes are naturally selfish. But then he says we should try to override our selfish genes and become altruistic, become generous and, and kind toward others. But the question is, why? why should I do that in a meaningless world? Why should I do that in a world where there's no objective standards, where there is no such thing as good or bad? Um, the, the very claim is meaningless because we live in a meaningless world. And so he's recognizing something there. Evolutionary, uh, the evolutionary program says that it's all about selfishness and suffering, but he's not comfortable with that reality. And of course he isn't because that's not the reality that, that is actually real. That's, that's a projected reality. The real reality is that we're made in the image of God. So Dawkins is saying we need to change these genes, override them. And you're saying, why? But what if he, he says, what if he appeals to society as a basis and says, well, as a society, for us to evolve, we need to act altruistically. Like he's still making a, a mistake because he's trying to appeal to an authority or a, a, a basis or a reason, right? And even that fails. So. Yeah. So he's appealing to society as the standard. Um, but the problem with society is that it's always shifting. If you go back to our society 100 years ago, uh, it will have very different moral views, um, not, not massively different in some things, but different in others. Now that we're a progressive society, they say, so there's going to be differences of moral opinion. Well, who was right 100 years ago? Were they right or are we right? And by what standard are we right? Second of all, you have two societies that differ from one another. One society believes that you should have enforced marriage. One society says you should not. Which society is right in that situation? Um, so again, we're still left with the problem of there are different societies and there's, there's different societies in different ages. So we're, we're different chronologically and we're different geographically. And which one's right and by what standard or can we judge ourselves to be right? 
So we see that the no God worldview is inconsistent and arbitrary. Um, and, and that suffering is evil and cruel and unjust. And when they make these moral claims, they do so without a basis for it. So what is the Christian or biblical worldview response? And how is that not inconsistent? Yeah, okay. So the Christian worldview is, again, it's a worldview that's making sense or seeking to make sense of the world we're living in. And it must include the problem of suffering. And the Christian worldview actually answers the problem of pain. And it answers it consistently with itself and consistently with the universe that we're living in. And I would argue it's the only one that is consistent within itself and within our universe. So first of all, we see the cause of suffering. And we, we look at our past. Has there always been suffering? Is suffering a part of the program? And the answer to that question is no. And that's an extremely important answer to the question. Um, because if it always has been part of the program, then we can, be, we can ask the question, why would God uh, create a world where suffering was part of the program? But the reality is the Bible says in Genesis 1, after he'd finished creating, that everything was very good. And he created a good world, a world of beauty, a world of peace, a world of good relationships where there wasn't suffering. And then we see the fall in the garden. Adam was the head of creation. He was the steward of creation. And when he chose to fall, when he chose to rebel against God, not only did he bring himself down, but he brought the world down with him as the head. Um, in, in one way, he, he burnt the house down with himself. Um, so we as a race, we have rejected God and we continue to reject him and we reject his good law. And we do that and we expect that there won't be consequences, but there will be. Um, every time I commit what we call a petty sin, when I lie to you, when I steal from you, when I gossip behind your back, when I, um, when I make a selfish decision, when I'm prideful, when I'm impatient, all of these decisions are going to be hurtful towards you because I'm seeking something from, for myself instead. So when we're doing those things, we don't complain. When I'm the one hurting, I don't really complain. But when it's done to me, that's when I ask the question about it. Uh, so that's our past. That's the, the, the biblical view of, of suffering from the past is that it has a beginning. It wasn't part of the program. Uh, it, it wasn't the original setup, but it has entered into the world. So that's our past. Uh, the second part is our present. We're in the middle of suffering right now. As you look around us, people are making selfish decisions. Um, people are hurting other people. And we have sickness. We have disease because we live in a broken world. But what we have above all that is a good God who's working out his purposes, a good God who does not want suffering, um, a God of love who is going to end suffering, who, who will bring an end to it. But in the meantime, he's working out his purposes. Um, we can see that in the cross of Christ through the most agonizing uh, period of the, the most agonizing few hours of, of um, history. when Christ is on the cross, uh, suffering emotionally, spiritually, physically in every way. And yet through that suffering, he brings life. And we know that God is working through the, the suffering and the, the pain right now to bring about his purposes. And what that means for the Christian is that our suffering has a purpose. There's meaning behind it. But ultimately, the, the beautiful thing of Christianity is that our suffering has an end. And the end isn't just that we die. The end is that God is coming to end suffering. But God has to end suffering by uh, ending the cause of suffering. So here in England, I don't know if you guys in the States, but here in England, we have what we call weeds in the garden. Uh, what do you guys call them? We call them weeds. We call them weeds. <laughs> we have, uh, dandelions and daisies and all sorts of weeds that are in our gardens. 
And the other, just a few days ago, I plucked out some of those weeds. I didn't go to the roots. I didn't have the tools. I've just moved house. So I've, I've plucked them out. And then three days later, they're back again. And if God just pulls out suffering without dealing with sin, then within a few hours, a few moments, suffering will come up again. The only way to get rid of suffering is get rid of the root problem, which is sin. And God has ultimately dealt with sin through the cross of Christ and will deal with it again when he returns. And the only way to get rid of uh, suffering is get rid of sin. And if sin is attached to me, then he has to get rid of me. Uh, but as a Christian, God has dealt with my sin and will transform me, will renew this world and all suffering will be ended. And so the, really the question is, uh, as you want suffering to end, it, it will end, but it will end in ending you for eternity or will end with your sin being dealt with in Christ and you experiencing eternity without the suffering. Yeah, I think of, and we've talked about this, Amos 5, 18, I believe, where they're all wanting justice. And Amos says, God will bring a just world, but what will that day look like for you? Yeah, man. And I think that's what you're saying there as well. Yeah. Um, so what I'm hearing is the Christian worldview is really the only worldview that can rightly say it is not supposed to be like this and be consistent. Because the no God worldview, to be consistent, to be in their boat, they have to be like, it is just what it is. Yeah. Um, because they can't say suffering is evil or God isn't good because for them to be consistent, like I said, there is neither evil or good. Everything just is. Mm -hmm. And so I think that brings a lot to us as we go through things and we lament and we groan and, and we mourn. It's okay to do those things, but we can do those things with hope, right? Yeah. It, so for the Christian, it actually makes sense for us to lament. Uh, you read the Psalms and you read some of, I mean, there's a book called Lamentations, man. Uh, it makes sense for us to lament. It, it makes sense for us to mourn and to groan. It, it even says in Romans 8, the whole of creation is groaning. Um, now, if we lived in a world of where it's just suffering has always been, then what are we groaning for? It's, this is just what it is. But as a Christian, we're we're mourning, we're groaning, and we're lamenting because it's not supposed to be like this. But as you said, we're doing that with hope, knowing that our suffering has meaning and knowing that our Savior is coming to, to restore the world back to the way it was meant to be without the suffering. It seems to me that the unbelievers' laments and tears are really an expression that they know this present world is not what it's supposed to be. And there is more to life than the natural and necessary suffering of evolution. And whether they want to admit it or not, they want something better. They want the future that you just talked about, that future hope God offers. And I don't even think they even realize it. Yeah. When they're mourning and groaning and lamenting, they are evidencing the fact that they're made in the image of God as a human uh, in a broken world. This is a broken world. It's not, it's, this is not the way the world is supposed to be. We are in a fragmented, shattered, broken world. And every lament and groan and tear of an unbeliever is evidence of that reality, that what they say about what they believe is not consistent with what is actually true and what they actually know to be true. And I think this is a good place for us to pivot away from the philosophical problem of suffering and talk about the real problem, which is the problem of the heart. Yeah. What do you think yeah. about that? I know you hit this on in your fifth video. Um, yeah, so in the fifth video, we're basically, we're making a very bold claim in the fifth video, admittedly, 
we're saying that every human being knows there's a God, uh, knows God is good, knows that his commands are good, and knows that there is wrath for breaking those commandments. We all know those things. Uh, but what we want to do is we want to remove God from our minds and our hearts so that we can carry on in rebellion against him without considering the consequences. So we're, we're so to speak, we're ignoring the reality of God. But the problem is, the tension is, as we seek to ignore him, we're still living in his universe. And so we still have to have morality. We still have truth. We still have reality. And we still groan through our suffering. Because although we're trying to deny him, we can't deny the universe that we're living in. Okay, so knowing that it's really a matter of the heart, and I know I've been in this situation too, where I've gotten in conversations with people and I got intimidated, I got put on the defense when they say, well, if God were good, what about all this suffering? I think what you're saying is we can actually take confidence and go on the offense and say, it's not really about this problem that no one really has an answer to because God, as we'll see in a minute, doesn't ever tell us why. Uh, we can go straight to the heart of the matter, so to speak, and, and how, do you, how do you suggest we approach people and even unbelievers who are, who are suffering? Yeah, that's good. So there's going to be two types of unbelievers when it comes to suffering. That is the unbeliever who is just asking it out of purely academic uh, reasons. So they're just making an excuse. How can a good God allow suffering? And there's not, nothing experiential. It's just, a, it's just a question that they're throwing into the ether. And with those people, we can go a bit more on the offense and say, well, what's wrong with suffering? In, a, in an evolutionary world, what's wrong with suffering? It's actually only the Christian world that says that suffering is fundamentally wrong. Um, and that there's a wrong thing happening here. So we can go that direction with, with an unbeliever who's just, who's just bring up the attack. Uh, but with someone who's actually suffering, who's groaning, this can be an obstacle in their life. Uh, why am I going through this experience? And what I would encourage a believer who is talking with someone who's actually going through pain is to step into that reality with them. Because what we believe as Christians is that everyone is made in the image of God, which means that everyone is created with value and worth and should be treated with dignity and respect, which means their suffering is real. It's not meaningless. It is real. And they are real and they're real humans. They're unique um, and made in his image. And so we should feel that with them. We should step into the reality and we should weep and groan alongside of them. But we do that as we're showing them the hope of the gospel. So I think it's different. I think with the unbeliever who's just asking to be difficult and making the making the excuse about sufferings. They're just, they're just, they actually just hate God and love sin and fear his wrath. And they're using suffering as an excuse. With those, we go on the offense. But with the person who's actually suffering, we, we step into that with them and show them the hope of the gospel and how Christ makes sense of their suffering, brings purpose to it, and will bring an end to it one day uh, as well. Yeah, that's good. I think of Romans 12, 15, it says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Heidi, I remember her telling me, years ago when we had our first miscarriage that the people who ministered to her the best were the ones who didn't talk. The ones who sat there and just said, I'm here. If you want to talk, I'll, I'm here to listen. Yeah. And people with good intentions and great advice spoke up, but yeah. sometimes the wound is too fresh and we just need to have someone sit there with us and weep, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. But I think you're right with the unbeliever as a, an opportunity to show them hope um, and that the suffering they're going through isn't meaningless. Yeah, it, we, we, we don't necessarily need a sermon straight away. Mm -hmm. uh, 
three points in an illustration, <laughs> but uh, we need people to 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 feel it. One of the the most beautiful. If if you've suffered, um, if you've gone through things, and then you're dealing with someone who has suffered, they don't need all the advice. One of the most beautiful words you can hear from somebody as you're suffering is, "I know what you're going through," or "I understand," um, and I'm just I just want to be here for you. And and that's really important. And like you said, it's not just for the believer. We need to step into the unbelievers pain as well christ jesus stepped into a broken world full of suffering and engaged the believer on the unbeliever and he wept with people who were suffering yeah well alan thanks a ton for uh taking the time to be with us as we wrap up is there anything you want to leave us yeah uh, this is really uh, when it comes to suffering i think there's a really a big thing that we need to to wrestle with here I remember going through uh, a really painful traumatic experience about around 2014. Um, and for months, I just asked the question, why? Why is this happening? Why would God do this? You know, I've been a Christian since 2007, but I was just really questioning, why, why this? Why? And I just asking about every circumstance and all the specifics. Why would he do this? Why would he allow this? Um, and the problem is that we don't necessarily get the answer to that question. We might get that. We might get the answer to the question in five years' time or twenty years' time. We might see the reason behind it, but even still, sometimes we don't get the answer until eternity. Um, and so, instead of asking the question why, it's it's better to ask the question who. And as I was going for a walk along the beach uh, in 2014, still asking the question why, uh, it just came to me that I'm not going to get the answer to that question, but I do know who God is. Um, and these four truths uh, really impacted me along that along that beach walk. Uh, God is good. God is wise. God is in control, and God cares for me. Um, and He knows why, and I know Him. And sometimes that has to be enough that that I know Him, and I know that He has a good purpose for what I'm going through. Um, I know that He is wise in all that He's doing. I know that He's sovereign over all that's happening to me, and I know He actually cares for me and loves me. Yeah, as we finish out, I think you're right on. Nowhere in the Bible does God ever say, here is the one reason why I allow suffering in the world. Uh, in Job 38, we see God shows up, but he doesn't offer an answer to the why question Job has, but he reveals himself, who he is, his character. And at the end of the book, after God has revealed himself to Job, Job says in chapter 42, verse 5, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. And though Job wanted an answer to his why, what he really needed was to see, like you said, Alan, the who. And when we suffer, as much as we want to know the why, what we really need, whether we know it or not, is to see the who. We need to see our God. Hmm. Yeah, we need to understand his glory, his grace and see that there's a great God who loves his people and is working out his good purposes um, for his glory and for our good. Awesome.